Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Okay, so uh, we're in the middle of Romans, right? Pretty much right in the middle of Romans. And this is everybody's favorite part where we talk about struggling with sin. Woo! Gotta love that. If you don't know, my name's Josh Tanner. I'm the lead pastor at Abbot Loop. I've been at Abbot Loop for, well, I don't know, 17 years. So it's been, I'm getting up there now. Some of y'all. Been here triple that time. Good for you. We're not comparing. Just kidding. Anyway, it's been really an awesome journey to be here. And one of the things about um, life in church is that uh, if you don't know how to struggle with sin well, you're not going to do well. Because there's one thing that even the Apostle Paul, when we're digging through here, we're talking uh, in Romans 6, Paul talks about, and this is a little recap, that uh, the believer is dead to sin. And then last week we talked about uh, the believer, I'll just read it, Romans 6, 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. The believer in Christ is dead to sin. And then we learned last week that the believer in Christ is also dead to the law, Romans 7, 4. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As, as a result, you can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Okay, so the principle was, I'm bound in life, and then I'm loosed, or I'm set free in death. So I get released in death. I'm released from sin because I am connected to the death with Jesus. I'm released from the punishment or the measurement of the law in my life to measure me up and say that I'm good when I'm dead with Christ. And it's I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. Let's do Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ, like nailed on the Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I want us to keep that framework in our minds as we talk about struggling with sin. Because if you and I can't learn how to struggle with sin together, then we can't stay together. And what happens is if we don't learn how to do this well, then when, when, not if, one of us makes a mistake and stumbles and falls, right? Then if it is, well, the law says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, laddie, and we're just gonna punish you with that. Why didn't you measure up? How come you didn't do better? Uh, you know, what were you thinking? Well, I, I really wasn't thinking. Exactly. You ever ask your kid what they were thinking when they do something stupid? Why do we even ask our children these questions? It makes no sense. They take a cookie out of the cookie jar. You go, why did you do that? What were you thinking? They're like, uh, I didn't do that. <laughs> cookie all over their face. Why did they do that? We're going to talk about why they did that. Because they're just like you is why they did that, and they don't know. And so what happens is, is if we don't learn how to struggle together and stay in unity, stay in love, and also have that high mark 
of trying to be like Jesus and not making excuses for when we fall. We don't make excuses for when we fall, but we also don't cast one another out and abuse one another when we fall. Can I get a better amen? I'm looking for one right there. Come on, right? Just imagine if every time each one of us struggled with sin, it's like, well, you're no good. See you later. And we just treat each other so abusively without love and acceptance and forgiveness, then it's like, well, then they just move on to another church. Good luck fellowship in there until you screw up. Or actually, it's really this, till you get found out. Because we're all screwing up all the time. <laughs> the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. It does. So to struggle is to struggle together. Stay together. That's the aim. Love binds us together. It knits us together. And so I just want us to have this framework work that we're thinking, oh my goodness, Jesus is so good. We are dead with him. And when we're dead with him, there's benefits. Death benefits with Jesus. And those benefits are we're all dead to sin. We're all set free from its power. We're crucified with him, and it's no longer that sin nature, which we would call I, all right, that lives, but Christ who lives in me, with my new nature attached to him that lives in me. So let's talk about struggling with sin. Chapter 7, Romans 7, verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. All right, the law, perfect law. It defines righteousness and the nature of God. It's good. The problem isn't with that. The trouble is with me. So the Apostle Paul is the one who wrote this uh, Bible, uh, this, this whole book of the Bible, okay? And he, at this time, is a genuine believer, writing to believers, a mixture. Some had been Jews and some, had, some were Gentiles in this area, okay? But he specifically, as a believer, is saying to everybody, look, the problem's not with the law. The problem is with me because I am all too human. Humility is one of the most important character traits and foundational building blocks in a Christian's life. And that is about understanding who you are and who you're not where you begin and where you end. And when you understand that you're human and you have limits, it's one of the most important dynamics, foundational stones in your life. In fact, I always teach us that humility needs to be the cornerstone of your character. And in the building process, the cornerstone is this perfect 90 degree angle that we build the whole building off of. And without humility, you can't build the rest of the building. It gets all off track. So you and I have to be thinking in the framework, on the framework, the foundation of humility and that we have limits as human beings. And we're trapped. Paul is saying, look, there, you have to understand that, that we're just human. We are not in the glorified state yet where this sin nature is totally eradicated from our life. There is a struggle that is still going on and you need to be aware of it. If you're not aware of it, then you don't know how to fight. If you're not aware of what's really going on inside your life, you're not going to understand how to engage 
in the process. How do you fight? You're gonna fight with your flesh or, or, or not submit to the spirit. You don't understand how it works. You're not gonna know what to do. All right, so Paul sort of starts to break this down. Verse 15, I don't really understand myself. That's a pretty good humble statement. Anybody feel that way sometimes? You're the kid with your hand in the cookie jar and you're like, I don't know why my hand's in the cookie jar. <laughs> you don't know why. And just admit it. Sometimes you do dumb stuff. And sometimes I do dumb stuff. Paul's saying, hey, I do dumb stuff too. Paul is like the guy that we revere. I mean, like everybody revered Billy Graham and still does. I mean, he's like that guy, okay? And maybe in some ways way more. We just look at him and we go like, that guy's basically Jesus. He's not. Not even close. Extremely gifted, very dynamic, amazing human being, but he also had sin in his life. I'm pretty sure there were some words the Apostle Paul wished he could take back. Stuff he said probably was the area that he maybe had some weaknesses. And there was one time Paul is actually standing in front of the high priest and he kind of like rebukes the high priest but he didn't know who he was. And he gets slapped for it and he goes, well, who are you to slap me? And he goes, well, I'm the high priest. He goes, dude, I didn't know that. He's like, I want to grab those words and take them back. And he repents right there because he's like, I sinned, I shouldn't have done that. Even Paul was not without sin and he understood this struggle just like us. It's not like when Jesus is talking about you and I dealing with our sin. Paul is one of us, right? He's not fully God and fully man. He was just a man who had God living in him like we do. I don't really understand myself, admit that. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I want to stop eating the cookies, but I don't. I was at camp and I had the candy trailer my job was to pass out candy at camp. I'm not sure how I ended up with this job. And I'm like trying to trim up, you know, like, I'm like, oh, I wanna like get some silly goals, you know, and then I'm like, I'm the candy guy. And I'm like, I really don't wanna eat that. I mean, I, I know I should not eat 20 peppermint patties without stopping. <laughs> All right? And then Reese peanut butter cups, those are the devil. And they're like, in my camper. Hello, Josh. I'm just over here in this little convenient wrapper. Please. I want to be in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, I really don't understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. I go over and I get the Reese's cup and I jam it in my face. And I go, I shouldn't be doing that. This shows that I agree that the law is good. Oh wait, I skipped an entire line. That's okay, just stay with me. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anybody relate to this? But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows me that I agree that the law is good. So let's stay in the moral context of the law. Don't sin, uh, in the concept of don't sinning, right? It's like don't covet, don't consider or, or, or steal or uh, murder, don't commit adultery, have no other gods before me. 
All right, so keep the Sabbath was one of the law commandments too. When we look in the context of the moral law, we feel it even in our own conscience. We should not be doing this, right? You're taking something that doesn't belong to you. You're saying something that's harsh or hurtful or hate. Hate is coming out of that. It's not loving your neighbor. You know in your heart the Holy Spirit's saying, uh, 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 uh. You know the law is good. God's law is good, and it's bringing conviction into your life, my life, all the time. Even though sometimes we're still doing the thing we hate. We're like, I shouldn't be doing this. But in your heart, my heart, we have this conscience, the Holy Spirit, that is moving inside of our lives saying, don't do it. No, 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 no. This is the thing you hate. This is bad for you. Reese peanut butter cup 12. 13. I didn't eat that many. That's actually an exaggeration. <laughs> it would show. Just keep going. Don't stop. Keep saying. Sometimes you're like, I should stop talking right now. But then the words keep flowing. There's a word for this in the dictionary. It's called logaria. It's a real word. Have you ever heard it? It's literally a word, logaria. It's diarrhea of the mouth. It's a real word definition, not joking. <laughs> I can't stop it. Diarrhea of the mouth. Sometimes you're like, I really need to stop saying this, but I can't because it's wrong. And I know it's hurting the person I'm saying it to, but... Sin is struggling in me, and I have this war. I do the thing I know that I hate and I don't want to do, and the conscience, and my conscience of the Holy Spirit in me, the law is saying, this is not right. So the law is good, the law isn't bad. You can't despise the law. This is one of the points that's so important here, is that if you change the rules of the game, when the rules are not changeable, you're going to get hurt. So if you try to change the law that God established and he said it's good to make it say like, well, now because of my life in Christ, now this thing is no longer sin. Like adultery or murder or hatred or worshiping multiple gods. <laughs> it's a bad idea. All right. You don't get to change that game. And I've, there are cults out there. People that say they have these experiences and that God meets them and then they go, and I heard of this one, said that he went down into hell and got the keys from Satan, another set of keys. Apparently Jesus left a spare. It's bizarre. <laughs> I know, it sounds funny, but this is for real. And he says, well, all the rules of the game have changed. Now people can, you know, have as many wives as they want or sleep with whoever they want. Sin is not the same anymore. Sin's been changed because he went and did that. And all people following this guy, every marriage broken up, every family total disaster, shunning their children, all kinds of ridiculous, horrible things that are absolutely the devil's plan. You look at the devil's nature, boom, there it is. You're like, good night. Okay, God, there's no opportunity for you to, well, for you to change the rules of the game. You don't get to change the law. It's the nature of God. You don't get to change that, okay? So you don't have to be subject to it, so that's awesome. You are no longer being jackhammered by the law, yay, but you don't get to change it. So 
When you look inside of your sin life and what you're doing is wrong and, and you're feeling all these things, it, you and I, if we go in and we just don't understand that this law is real and that when we, uh, when we violate it, it causes death in our life. If we don't understand that process and we think, well, I can just change those rules, then we're gonna be experiencing and leading ourselves into death all the time. And, and, and thinking we're okay, but all the time not being okay, all right? You wanna know that you're seeing right. And you, gotta, you gotta see that the law is good and you don't get to change it and all of a sudden say that the law is bad or certain parts of it don't apply. Amen? All right, so... Verse 17, now this, gotta, this is a little bit tricky, but you gotta stay in it here, is that so that I am not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. Okay, sin living in you is not who you really are. That's not you. That because who you really are is who God made you to be. And who you really are is redeemed sanctified, set aside, a child of God, someone who no one can be separated from the love of God. You're destined as an heir, a priest, and a king to reign in the kingdom. That's who you're made to be, even if you haven't chosen Jesus yet today. That's who God made you to be, set aside like that. And until you choose Jesus, you're attached to this other part of your nature that God never made you to be. And so the creation you created in Christ Jesus, that's that Galatians uh, 2.20, right? That's who you are made to be. This dead person was designed to be carved away and fallen off, but it's still a part of you. But it's not who you really are. So you have to understand Two, two things. One, you're made to be the, the regenerated believer, the new person, the new creation Christ made you to be, but you're also still responsible for that dead guy, that dead gal that you're dragging around. You're still responsible for that person and the sin that that person does. You have a responsibility to that dead person to manage, okay? Before Jesus, you're responsible for that sin. And you have to pay a price for that. And if you don't, the price, the Bible says, is death. Eternal separation from God. That's a scary thing. But in Christ, we're separated from the punishment, the weight of the sin and the law that judges that sin. We're separated from that and set free. But still... That responsibility to manage that dead guy is on us. And it's real quiet. So I'm not the one doing wrong, but I'm still responsible for that wrong. Does that make sense? One, sometimes you go like, well, it just wasn't me. The devil made me do it. Or it was just the sin made me do it. Okay. But you're still you, that's not the new you that you really are that's going to heaven, awesome. That's the dead old you 
that is jacking everybody up around you and causing problems and making messes. So we gotta manage that person. We gotta make sure that that person stays in check and you take responsibility for that person. There's mercy for that. There's grace, power to do it. And you've gotta go to the right source to manage all that. But you also have to be responsible. You don't just get a pass in your relationships with everybody around you. This is not an excuse card. Well, that wasn't me. Sorry, Mike, when I slashed your tires on accident. I mean, I just had this thing come over me. I was like, Mike! <laughs> and then I came back to my senses, and I was, Mike, yeah, that just wasn't me. That was just sin in me. Good luck with your tires. <laughs> okay, if that happened, which it did not, but if that happened, when I blackout raged on Mike's tires with my knife, I don't even carry a knife, then it's true that that might have just been that old man, that sin nature in me flipping out. And I, but I have to take responsibility for allowing him to rage like that. Because I don't have to live that way. I get to live a new way in Christ Jesus, but that's, that dude who was stabbing Mike's tires, that's also not the real me. That's the dead old me that I let take over. But I still gotta take responsibility for that sin. When I let it happen, I let it go. Yikes, I gotta, I gotta be responsible. And I know, verse 18, that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature, okay? See, there's these two places. The good thing that lives in me is Jesus. In my new nature, but in my sinful nature, Paul's saying, that's not good. There's nothing in that that's good. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. You have to know there is a war waging on in your mind. And what you give your mind to will then begin to take over the rest of your life. So there's two natures at work inside of you. There's God's nature that's filled with the Holy Spirit if you choose Jesus. And in that nature, you're dead to sin, you're free from its power, you're crucified with Christ Jesus, and it's no longer you that live, but Christ who lives in you. So Christ and the fullness of his grace and power is living in and through your life. That's one dude. The other one is this old guy, the old man, this old nature that you can feed. And the way you feed it primarily is through your mind. The way we struggle with sin is by what we think about. And you know what you think about? What you see. And pretty much in the, in the movie player in your mind, only one image can go at a time. This is pretty much a psychological fact. You, 
you, you start thinking about something and it's like a movie screen in your mind. Is anybody thinking of something else besides the words that I'm talking about right now, right? You're like, oh, oh hey, hey, sorry, oh, what did that guy say? I was thinking about something else. And you're not just thinking about it, you're watching the movie screen in your mind, aren't you? So hello, welcome back. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I'm talking. Don't listen to me. Okay. Hey, uh, just confession. I do that when I'm sitting at church too. Sometimes I do it while I'm preaching. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> You're like, what is he talking about? I don't know. It's just reading some movie screen in his mind. <clears throat> it happens to everybody. And we start looking at this movie screen in our mind. So when I say dog, you don't just see D-O-G, do you? You actually see a dog. And whatever dog that happens to be, whatever foul creature it is in your mind. Whoa, what? Dog lover. Or I say cat, you see a cat. Right? But if I start talking to you about something like, uh, like, uh, you know, a red Ferrari, all right? You're seeing a red Ferrari, right? Everybody imagine that red Ferrari in your mind, right? Super cool. It's got, like, low-profile, you know, rims, and, and it's looking sweet, right? And you're sitting in that red Ferrari, right? And that thing is smoking good, right? You guys see it in your mind? Mm -hmm. All right, now I want you to think about a, a, a Ford Fiesta, Okay? <laughs> So now get that Ford Fiesta in your mind. I want you to see that thing. It's kind of rusty. It's kind of small and egg-shaped. And you're trying to get in it, but some, we just can't all fit in the Ford Fiesta, can we? It's like, I'm not made for a Ford Fiesta, right? Okay, so now what do you see in your mind? You don't see that red Ferrari anymore, do you? That's gone. Okay, sin works the same way in your mind. When you let sin play in the movie screen of your mind, it's playing, and then it generates all kinds of things. And it starts to generate all kinds of feelings, and you start to play this picture in your mind, and you start to have all of these, these fantasies about whatever it happens to be. Even if it's coveting something somebody else wants, sometimes it's lust, and we're thinking about other people that we should not be thinking about. And it's playing in the movie screen of our mind, and all of a sudden we generate all of these feelings. If you're playing in the movie screen of your mind, something that belongs to your old nature, you're feeding it. You're waking it up. And you're bringing it to life. But if you're playing something in the movie screen of your mind that is in alignment with God's law, that's in alignment with the righteousness of Christ, and then all of a sudden, guess what? That thing's starving. Your sin nature's starving, and you're feeding your spirit. And, and what you see, you then feel and then behave and do. And so what happens is, is that you, you actually disempower this sin nature. In fact, Christ completely disempowered it and set you free from its grasp on your life. And the only way that sin has power is when you let your mind play in its movie screen things that feed it. So don't let things in your, in your mind, in the movie screen of your mind, feed that sin nature. Don't do it. You don't want to, the struggle is in what you play in your movie screen. And when you know that's the place the battle is, fight it there. Fight it right there in the seed thoughts of your mind. And that's where you need to wage war. And if you don't think there's a war waging on and it's all good, then you're in trouble. 
You're getting taken advantage of. The Bible said in, earlier in Romans 7, it says sin is taking advantage of you. Don't let sin take advantage of you by listening or playing in, its, in your mind of your movie screen what's going on there. And you've got to make some shifts. What you focus on expands and grows in your life. You know, sometimes, uh, Pastor Rick and I were just talking about this right before the message, and it reminded me of uh, when we golf together, and we golf badly together, but we love it, and we love each other, right? So Pastor Rick and I, and we always say this to each other, is, I, I, you know, it's like, I always want to do the right thing, and we imagine in our mind doing the right thing with this golf shot, right? And one of, there's some crucial things you have to do in a golf shot, otherwise you're going to be super bad, I mean, super, super bad, and you're going to really hate it, and then that sin nature is going to really come out, okay? You're like, what the? That's <laughs> throwing clubs and stuff. Okay, so here's one of the keys. You have to keep your head, like, in this perfect spot. If it goes up or down, then all of a sudden, you go up, and then the club hits the top of the ball, and it goes Instead of, it's like, and it's terrible feeling. And the ball just, and knuckleballs, and it goes all over the place, it's all this stuff. So we always say, keep your head down. And a lot of times you hit the ball and you're like, oh, where did it go? And you're like, oh, it's right there. <laughs> it just goes, you like really swing super hard. You're like, God, it's like, Sometimes, and we're like, keep your head down. We're like, why did I look up? You're like, I don't do the things I want to do, but I do the things I don't want to do. I always look up, and I'm telling myself, don't look up, don't look up, don't look up. That's life, isn't it? That's life. It's just sometimes we just don't do the things we think we want to do. Whoa. <laughs> Sneaking up on me. How about slow to anger and quick to speak? Or slow to anger, quick to listen? <laughs> Depends on how you want to do it. It's pretty bad. <laughs> slow to anger, quick to speak. Usually it's fast to anger, quick to speak, isn't it? Any like Apostle Paul, pretty sure, and in fact we have that one example I was telling you, he's want to take a few words back, right? Sometimes you want to take a few things back. Paul knew that struggle. You and I know this struggle. It's about keeping the right thing on your movie screen in your mind. And sometimes you're going to say it over and over to yourself. Keep your head down. Keep it down. But you're going to look up and you're going to hit that bad shot. And you know what the cool thing is about golf? You can take as many swings as you want. To get there, you're going to have a bad score. Totally true. You're going to be a little more tired and worn out because you hit double the amount of shots as the other guys. Right? You might, like we say, you really got your money's worth on that round of golf. <laughs> right? But the cool thing about life that is so much like golf, and I'm so glad that this all works, is that you get a second try and a third try, a fourth try. Sometimes when we're golfing, we're all doing so bad, we hit this thing we call a mulligan. It's a stupid word. I don't even know where it came from. But you hit it, and he hit it so bad that we're all like, mulligan. You don't count that stroke, and you get to put the ball back down and try again. 
And then if we're really bad, we shoot the mulligan, and then we go like, again, again, and it's like the thing after the mulligan. <laughs> Mulligans and again-agains. In Christ, with Jesus, you get mulligans, you get again-agains, and again and again and agains. You get to keep trying. And the key to us staying together while we struggle with sin is that we do the again-agains, okay? Sometimes we give someone a mulligan and we forgive them for sinning against us or when we, when we sin inside of a church body and we struggle with sin, then we're like, oh my gosh, I already repented for that once. Really, I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna repent again? Yes, yes, you're gonna stay. You're gonna stay. And it's gonna challenge everybody. You're gonna stay, you're gonna struggle, and we're gonna struggle with you because it's not easy to keep loving people when they're hurting you, is it? But Jesus called us to be a body of love, of forgiveness, of acceptance. And no one here has to be perfect. We just have to keep trying. We have to keep struggling together and trying. Like, I'm not making excuses for my old man and my old nature and going up and stabbing Pastor Mike Bruce tires and popping them for picking my head up and hitting a bad shot. I'm not making an excuse for that. I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna walk with humility like Paul says. It's like, oh, this wretched man that I am. I, who am I? I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. But I'm gonna stay in it. And I'm gonna keep loving. And you know what? That's gonna challenge us to keep loving and walk in forgiveness and free of judgment. Free of judgment. Look at what the Bible goes on to say. Verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You know, this little passage here is really interesting because uh, some people believe that there was this weird practice that happened is that when someone would be punished, they would actually tie a dead person to them and they'd have to carry that dead person around until they died. It's pretty sick. A lot of sick, weird things happen, you know. And just imagine if that's true. Oh, this wretched man that I am. Who's gonna free me from this body of death? This death that is attached to me. This dead man that I'm carrying around with me that just keeps infecting me and diseasing me. It's not me, but it's attached to me. This is what Paul is saying. Who's gonna free me from that? How am I gonna be set free from that? Verse 25, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Verse eight. Chapter eight, verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin, from that body of sin that leads you to death. Come on, he cuts that line. You are no longer affected, have to be affected by this body of sin that you had to carry around. You were a slave to it, attached to it before, and now you're set free from its effects. You don't have to pick it up and drag it around. You don't have to. You can, but you don't have to find that old man and go pick him up and drag him around. When you and I struggle with sin, we have to understand that we're set free. There's no condemnation from the law about our sin. And that means there should be no condemnation from one another. And we're truly set free by the life-giving spirit, the power of Christ. Galatians 5.24, those who belong, 
come on, you choose Jesus, you belong. You're not just part of the club when you do good. You're permanently set in. We'll read more in Romans 8, how you're permanently set in to the body of Christ. You have security as a believer, as you've chosen Jesus, he locks you in. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Hallelujah, come on. Crucified them there, set free. Man, I want some of that. So how about we learn how to struggle in love together? Because we're all gonna struggle. How about we live this life just full of his love, no condemnation, full of mercy. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and all have sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glorious, wonderful standard, each and every one of us. But praise God that we have a new life that's given to us by the power of the life-giving spirit through Jesus Christ, the Savior and our God. If we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, we'll be saved. I'd love to pray with you today. It'll only take a moment. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you've given your life to him, would you slip your hand up right in your seat and I'll pray with you. You don't have to go anywhere, do anything else, but just pray with me. Anybody here, Jesus, I'm ready to surrender my life to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Yes, thank you. I see your hand too. Praise God. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Anybody new? Anybody else besides those that want to get saved? Jesus, I want to give my life to you. It's so awesome. Yeah, praise God. Let's pray. Let's pray this with me. And church, pray along, right? We just pray that Jesus will become the Lord and Savior of our life. And we just believe in our hearts. So pray this with me. Jesus, I believe you are God. I receive you as my God, my Savior, my Deliverer. You have set me free from sin by your power. I receive you into my life for the forgiveness of my sin. Change my life forever and fill me with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Ooh. So here's what I wanna do. Anybody feeling this message hit home? I don't want to raise my hand, but yeah, amen. It's fine. I'm raising my hand. For real. Like, I, this, this, you can't preach this kind of stuff and be a human being and it not affect you and go, Lord, I want to shape up, right? I want to be found in you. I don't want to live to this dead old thing. I want to live for the way you made me. Like, you know, we're made for something better, right? We all feel that. It's like, God, I don't want to put my hand in the cookie jar anymore. I want to live for you. I want to keep my head down and keep hitting those good shots. That's what I'm made for. So what I want us to do is we're going we're gonna to take communion today together. And then our prayer team is here at the altar. And I'd like for you, however you see fit, as you're taking communion, um, to just get alone with Jesus. And every person in here, make it right. Make it right. Say, God, I just recommit my life to you right now. And, and, and forgive me for the sin that I've been allowing in my life. And help me to play on the movie screen of my mind what is righteous and pure and holy and good and is what you made me for that breathes life to that new creation that's inside of me, created new in Christ Jesus. Amen? So you can take communion all by yourself. 
You can do that with a small group of people if you want. Um, but we're not going to come back and take it all together. Pastor Mike, after we worship, you can come down to the altar and pray with prayer team members. Some of the Catch the Fire team will be uh, in the front. And uh, you can pray with those members, take communion, and then Pastor Mike will dismiss us after we're done with some worship and prayer time. And you can stay and pray, you know, even after and worship longer. The worship team will keep going. Will you stand with me? So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took his disciples together. This is found in 1 Corinthians 11. And he said, this is my body and, I bro and it was broken for you. And then he took the cup of the new cup of wine and he said, this is, represents my blood that seals the new covenant for you and I. And so when we eat of the body and of the bread, we remember the death of Jesus, his real body broken for us, and the new covenant, the promise of relationship that he gave us. All the things we're talking about, dead to sin, dead to the law, alive in Christ, all those things are purchased for you and I in that new covenant. And we take communion, that is what we're remembering. Amen? You don't have to take communion, but if you would like to take communion with us, you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. If you believe in Jesus, that is what you, that, that's the requirement. I choose Jesus. You just gave your heart to the Lord. Might be the first time you've done communion with a body of believers, and that's awesome. Amen? I'm going to pray and invite you to come and continue to worship while we do communion. So, Father, we love you. We ask for your favor, your blessing, your life to flow in and through ours. Jesus, we thank you that we're dead to sin and alive in you, Christ. And we thank you that, Lord, you've set us free. You've set us free. And we just repent and turn our hearts to you. These things that have been distracting us in our old man, our old nature, we die to those and we pick up this new nature, God, to live according to your new covenant uh, promises, Lord. We just embrace those by your grace and your mercy and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.